Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Creation.com Talk. My name is Keaton Halley, and I'm here with Gary Bates. Hello. Uh, yes, and Keaton and I today are going to be talking about something rather special for CMI, hopefully for you as well. Uh, we'll be hosting, along with other CMI staff, uh, tours to the Holy Land, to Israel, uh, later this year, 4 to 14 of September 2023. And uh, yeah, let's be honest, we're, we're, we're doing a bit of a plug for the tours. We've got about 150 people already booked. Yeah, it's very exciting. We want to take some more, but we thought it'd be a good opportunity too to teach people about some of the history mm. and the archaeology that's there because really more than any place in the world, Israel really supports the Bible's history. Yeah, And CMI is a ministry that deals with Biblical history. Creation is yeah. about biblical history, right? Of course, yeah. We we primarily deal with Genesis 1 to 11. So why go to Israel? Well, I think it's relevant to the, the rest of the Bible's history, and our ministry affirms the Bible as a whole, saying that it's, it's God's Word, and we think the evidence backs that up. And so when we go, we're going to talk a lot about the archaeological evidence. That's something that'll make our tour unique, is We'll be emphasizing that even more than your your typical tour group would. Yeah, and not to uh, d demean other tours, but obviously a lot of Christians want to go and visit uh, Israel. It's on our bucket list. And if you look online, there'll be lots and lots of tours. Uh, but what we learned is they're kind of what we would call a uh, a packaged pilgrimage type tour. And in fact, that's what the local guides call yeah. them as well. But we're going to be taking people off grid a little bit to look at some of the other sites and some of the interesting geology uh, as well as the archaeology. Let me just start. One of the things that uh, I found really, really interesting is uh, the Israelis, whether it's in the United or the Divided Kingdom, they built their towns and cities on tells. These are mounds or hills. And they're, they're artificial mounds, like built up by layers of occupation over time, largely because these are sites that had fortifications, and so they just built on top of old ruins in previous generations. Yeah, they, they started obviously smaller, but they were originally mounds to yeah, begin with. Yeah. And and that's because the valleys, often where rivers flow or where there's some flat land, is much more fertile. That's mm. the agricultural yeah. area, so you don't take up living space where yeah. you're growing stuff. And that's still how Israel is today. A lot yeah. of the cities and towns are built on the side of hills. Now, of course, when we read the Bible, Israel was conquered many, many times. There were lots of battles, and obviously uh, they had a troubled history. And I think uh, looking at places like Tel Lachish, mm. uh, Azakar, and even Masada, which I'd love to talk about later, mm. you can see what are, what are called siege ramps. Mm. Yeah, and so particularly at Lachish and Azakar, mm -hmm. now Azakar, of course, famous because below it was the Valley of Elah where yes. David slayed Goliath. But we can see these things called siege ramps. Mm. So the Assyrians had this incredible industrious army that would build, throw in stones and rock and basically build these ramps to try to get to the fortified cities above. And they, and they had battering rams on these wheeled, like makeshift war machines, you know, they're basically called. You could see actually pictures of these in the um, British Museum of a relief that depicts a battle that took place at this site you're talking about in Israel, Lachish, where the Assyrians attacked um, that Judean city at the time of Hezekiah. Yeah, there's a lovely video display there now. Um, folks, in case you don't know, um, Keaton's been there twice, I mm -hmm. think, in the last 12 yeah, just months. Yeah, the past year. I just came back uh, from, a, from a, a trip there in 
march to reconnoiter the area and the hotels and all of the other uh, logistics. But when you look at the sides of these siege ramps, um, you kind of think, well, they must have been hastily built, but they had to support all of those things you're talking about. And sometimes in the tells, in the remains of the cities, you can see some of the catapult stones and Mm. the the stones that we use to throw down (laughs) upon the enemy. And when you see them, your kind of imagination really Mm. goes crazy because you're thinking about these poor guys building these siege ramps, being bombarded from Mm. the top as they built them. (laughs) Uh, It was not for the faint-hearted. And they found a lot of stuff, uh, basically, pardon the word, stuff. That's a technical term for uh, archaeological <laughs> well, it's, artifacts. It's weaponry, like at Lakeisha, I know they've found um, arrowheads and sling stones, which, you know, these were like golf ball to tennis ball sized rounded rocks. That's the sort of thing that David would have flung at Goliath. These were common weapons of warfare back then. And so at this site of Lakeisha in particular, they will be able to see some of the sling stones in the Israel yeah. Museum. One of my favorite sites, which is similar but not mentioned in the Bible, was Masada. Mm. Uh, Masada uh, was a fortress city. In fact, it's so high, we have to go up on a really neat cable car ride yeah. to get to the top. Incredible views uh, from there. It's overlooking the Dead Sea. Yeah. yeah. And it's just, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, in the southern <laughs> southern part of the country. But as I said, it was uh, also used as a summer palace for Herod. But after the Roman uh, destruction of Jerusalem in mm-hmm. AD 70, a group, uh, a sect, if you like, called the Sicarii, Jewish mm-hmm. sect, tried to escape the Roman persecutions, and they went atop Masada. Um, there you can see how water came into it, how they built these uh, drains to funnel water from mm-hmm. the hill, etc. And they basically hoped they would wait it out. Mm-hmm. And it's incredible. From the top, you can see the outlines of the Roman encampments at the bottom. And their idea was, well, they'll just wait them out. They'll run out mm-hmm. of food yeah. and water. But that wasn't what happened, was no. it? <laughs> nope. Um, the Romans ended up having to, um, they, they built one of these siege ramps again and got up into the city and um, made it inside. But they found that um, all the inhabitants, instead of, allowing themselves to be taken captive by the Romans. Josephus actually writes about Mm. this, that uh, there was a mass suicide. They drew lots about um, who would kill who so they could all, you know, kill their families first. And then the final, I think it was 10 men or so um, that killed each other at the end. It's a tragic, heart-wrenching story. Um, But some of the um, archaeology up there and the engineering to be able to survive that they built in that location was quite, uh, quite stunning. A couple of the other sites, uh, obviously, we're going to be visiting Nazareth. Yes. Uh, Nazareth was not what I expected. Uh, <laughs> it's right on the side of quite some mm. steep hills there. Mm-hmm. But there's a really neat village there uh, run by even an evangelical nonprofit organization mm-hmm. that has a reenactments or, right. if you like, um, uh, has built a, a village that would have been symbolic of what yeah. it was in Jesus' it time. Gives, it gives you a much a better feel because Nazareth, Nazareth itself has been built up so much. You can't see a lot of the you know original archaeology and things, but we get to participate in these sort of reenactments of what first century life was like. You see a makeshift synagogue and a tomb and um, vineyard and, and things like that. Yeah. One of the other interesting locations was Caesarea Philippi. So after King Herod, Herod the Great, his sons divided up the kingdom amongst themselves, and uh, Philippi was one of his sons, and he built the city in northern uh, Israel 
uh, after Caesar, uh, named after Caesar and himself. And it's a fascinating place because there are rock-cut temples mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, rock-cut temples to pagan gods. Right. But it, this, this is not it, not a typical site that an Israelite would have visited. <laughs> no, but it's very very significant because one of the most profound passages in Scripture, one of the proclamations that Jesus made was actually at this site. Yeah, or at least least nearby, because the Bible does mention Caesarea Philippi. They're in that vicinity when Jesus asked his his disciples, who do men say that I am? Well, I kind of think it must have been pretty close. Again, maybe my imagination runs wild, but because of Mm. the amount of pagan worship that was there. And so kind of tell us the proclamation that Jesus made there to, uh, to Peter, Simon Peter. Well, it was Peter's answer that Jesus affirmed was that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. So he's recognized then as the as the messiah exactly and i wanted you to say that because you are the christ the son of the living god in an area mm. that was uh dedicated to so many other gods yeah and so peter was saying you are the living god mm. yeah one of the most beautiful locations uh, we're going to go up on mount arbel yes and that overlooks the sea of galilee yeah. and the whole area jesus's ministry about 70 percent of his time was spent around the right. the area of Galilee, and it's where, of course, his disciples came from yeah. as well. And yeah, so he but, preached preached in many synagogues there, right? The Bible talks about him performing miracles and pronouncing judgment on some of these cities for not recognizing um, who he was. Yeah, so much of his ministry was there, and we'll be able to see the synagogues and the Sea of Galilee itself, where he walked on water, calmed the storm. And Ma- Mount Arbel's overlooking; it's like right there on uh, yeah on the and side. We're actually going to be taking a boat ride onto yeah. the Sea of Galilee, uh, and it's 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 quite neat to uh, think, hey, Jesus walked yeah on this sea, you know, uh, showing that he was who he said mm-hmm. he was. Two of those locations you mentioned there where Jesus preached in the synagogues, of course, was Capernaum. We're going to visit that. Yeah. Uh, Chorazin, who he, mm-hmm. who he condemned. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another site there called Magdala. Mm. Now, you don't see that mentioned in Scripture. Of course, Mary Magdalene, it, Magdalene probably wasn't her surname, but again, uh, was emblematic of where she came from. Mm-hmm. But uh, at Magdala there, there's a, a nice small synagogue uh, yeah. that's kind of just recently been excavated. And again, when you read scripture, it says Jesus preached in the synagogues around Galilee in the area. And this one is actually very, very close to Capernaum. So, you know, I don't think you're taking liberties to presume that. Yeah, he he, almost certainly would have been there. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Mm. So let's move now to uh, back to Jerusalem, Mm. because (laughs) there is no place on earth uh, like Jerusalem. Uh, You can still see uh, the inner wall there that uh, was reconstructed during Herod's time, mm-hmm. which they call the Second Temple period. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe yeah, we just want to... Yeah, this is the, the wall, not of the city that you're talking about, but of the, the Temple Mount itself, this yeah. huge platform that um, the foundations of that, the stones that Herod's were put in place in Herod's time are, are still recognizable there. Yeah, and I think I, if I remember correctly, at some sections, the wall is 80 feet high. Mm. And of course, we're looking at it at the modern level. We might see, you know, 50 feet probably, but uh, you can go on tunnel tours underground and you can see how the tunnel extends below the ground onto the natural bedrock. (laughs) And yes, of course, you look at the Temple Mount, you know, today there, unfortunately, is the Dome of the Rock and the Mm -hmm. Al-Aqsa Mosque there. But you could almost imagine because you also see uh, model displays of what they think the temple would have looked like in that particular location. 
And of course, we go up to the Mount of Olives, mm. so we get this great panorama view over over the the whole city there. Yeah. But I happen to know where one of your favorite kings in the <laughs> Old Testament is uh, Hezekiah, sure. the good king. And we visited a couple of sites, uh, obviously, in Jerusalem, but uh, one at a place called Arad. Mm. And so uh, it was um, significant because we saw a very interesting temple there on Arad, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. At Arad, there's uh, a long history of occupation. We have um, remnants of the ancient Canaanite city under Moses. They, that's in the, it's the south of Israel. And so when um, the Israelites were wandering in the wilderness and making their way to the promised land, they actually came up around from the east to cross the Jordan River. But before that, when they were still south, the king of Arad attacked the Israelites. And so they retaliated and destroyed a bunch of cities in the area. But then later on, well, when the Israelites controlled Arad, they um, built a fortress there and, and just a whole city. Um, but they also had a, a temple in the mm-hmm. 8th century BC, um, which they were not supposed to do. The God's law instructed them to merely worship at Jerusalem. But they had a, a temple there, very similar to Solomon's temple, had a holy of holies. Instead of the Ark of the Covenant being there um, in the most holy place, it was... Um, a few altars and some what are called standing stones. These are something you'll see all over the place in Israel. At that time, they were they were prohibited by the Bible. They so, were quite offensive yeah. because they were dedicated, in some cases, to foreign gods too. Right. And one of the gods there was Asherah, which we probably are all familiar with that name from Scripture. So uh, Hezekiah, what did he do? Mm-hmm. It tells us in Scripture. Yeah, he... it may be that he, the Bible says he was a reformer, that he destroyed all kinds of idols and broke down the Asherah poles. Um, and we see evidence of Arad, the temple being buried there at that yeah. time, approximate time. So either Hezekiah or possibly a later reformer like Josiah. But it's, uh... well, of course, it says he, he, uh, he destroyed all the high places. Yeah. So high places could have two meanings, high as in... They were places of worship, uh, although not allowed, but also high because of their uh, locations. Mm. But at Arad, you can actually see that mm. Holy of Holies that yeah. uh, that they built there. And um, we mentioned Lachish, mm. and I think this is fascinating because when you, I looked at it and I thought, how could archaeology in some ways kind of prove but give evidence of the supernatural of mm. Scripture? Yeah. So we know the Assyrians came in and they conquered most of the land. We mentioned Lachish and these other places that they conquered. There were the siege ramps, etc. Hezekiah was the king at the time of uh, Lachish. And of course, the Assyrian army had really one place to conquer, Jerusalem. Yeah. And they went to Jerusalem. And uh, this is a time when Isaiah the prophet goes Mm. to Hezekiah and says... Of course, we read about Hezekiah at the temple praying to the to mm. Lord for deliverance. But Isaiah comes in and says, God will protect right. the city. And what happened? Yeah. Well, the Bible records that an angel of the Lord came and put to death overnight a whole bunch of these Assyrian soldiers. So Sennacherib, who was king of Assyria at the time, just had to retreat and, and go back home. 185,000 mm-hmm. Assyrian soldiers mm-hmm. were destroyed. And the archaeological evidence of... Sennacherib and the Assyrians is all over Israel, yeah. but not at Jerusalem. That's right. The one place he would have needed to take, etc. The and city wasn't no there. The city wasn't destroyed. We could see that from the archaeological record. But also Sennacherib, we actually have his written records, his annals of his military campaigns, and you'll see one of these in the Israel Museum. This 
hexagonal prism that he created where he names Hezekiah by name and says, I have trapped him in Jerusalem like a bird in a cage. But it's kind of a, a strange boast when you think about why is he only captured Hezekiah, imprisoned him, so to speak, and then doesn't destroy the city? Yeah. Um, well, the Bible gives us the answer. <laughs> That's right. And uh, kings never tended, as we know in Egypt, they never recorded their losses yeah, exactly. either. But uh, Sennacherib was actually killed by his sons not long after that uh, because he did not ultimately capture uh, Jerusalem. Yeah. yeah, Gary, there's one more really interesting thing about Hezekiah, if we have time to share it. We might do a whole other podcast on this later, but I'm super excited to go to Israel and possibly see this in person. Um, we've talked on a previous episode about how Hezekiah dug a tunnel under the city of Jerusalem um, just before Sennacherib came to attack the city. He wanted to redirect the, the waters of the Gihon Spring, which is on the east mm -hmm. side, to the west side of the city where it was more protected um, and give the Israelites access, but not the Assyrians to this one water source in Jerusalem. Well, we've known about Hezekiah's tunnel for years, but just recently they discovered new inscriptions inside the tunnels that they knew the area and thought there was a, a frame that looked like it was meant for an inscription, but it was too faint for them to read previously. They've recently realized this inscription actually does mention Hezekiah by name, confirming absolutely now that the tunnel was built by him. And the statements mention a number of Hezekiah's deeds, like how he attacked the Philistines and how he destroyed um, the altars in high places as well, including the bronze serpent that Moses made. Even this is mentioned outside of scripture. Yeah, that's now. incredible. Yeah. That's, a, that's a lot of detail. And folks, uh, if you're interested in coming with us, you can actually walk through Hezekiah's tunnel. That's right. It's about <laughs> knee deep, uh, maybe thigh deep for someone like me. I'm about six foot, um, but it's it's not hard to do. Uh, thousands of people go through yep. it probably every week. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, we're going to give you a flashlight so you can take <laughs> with you yep. uh, to to get through there. So uh, that was very interesting. Of course, that's located very close to or akin to. Um, David city. That's right. So just the outside part of, of the Jerusalem, old city. Yeah. yeah. The original city that David built on what they believe uh, was his palace. Mm -hmm. And excavations are still going on there. Yeah. And of course, as you come out of Hezekiah's tunnel, there is the Pool of Siloam. Yeah. Very famous uh, mentioned in scripture where yeah. uh, Jesus healed a, a blind person. That's right. Uh, and they're there. currently excavating that now. Actually, the last time I was there just in December, they hadn't begun yet, but we'll be able to see a much more extensive excavation there at the pool. Well, I was there in March and yeah. there's a big hole in the ground. So uh, <laughs> yeah. they cer certainly are excavating it. So look, well, I mean, we could, you know, talk for millions of years about this stuff, but yeah. uh, we do get excited about it yeah. uh, because it affirms biblical history. I think what is different, you know, when we went to Egypt, mm -hmm. uh, we had such incredible feedback. I mean, I, you know, being a manager, I'm kind of obsessed with the logistics and uh, yeah. and the academic portion <laughs> and the presentations and people, mature Christians are coming back saying they had a life-changing experience. I think this is going to be more because at all of these sites, Keaton, you could sit there and open your Bible and read what the Bible actually said yeah. happened at these places. And yeah, they're not just single events. Megiddo, for example, we go to, was uh, conquered and you know there were battles there on several occasions. Yeah. So there are multiple places in scripture uh, you can do that. So I think this is gonna be a little different. Uh, I found going to Israel to be a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was so faith affirming yeah. to go there and see these places firsthand. and. The thing that impacted me particularly was in the city of Jerusalem. Mm. 
Yeah. Uh, you know, on the steps there, our guide said, this is likely the entrance that Joseph and Mary mm. came through when they were bringing the infant Jesus right. to be dedicated. Yeah. And their then first I was, century steps there. Yeah. Just south yeah, of the temple. Yeah. They're right there. And what happened there? Simeon, hmm. he looked at the infant Jesus and declared him to be the Messiah. Only God could have revealed that to him yeah. being the boy Jesus. And uh, even saying that now gives me kind of uh, mm. uh, goosebumps yeah. because of you think of, of what happened in those particular uh, locations. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. People on this trip will get um, a huge education. We're going to have presentations. Uh, presentations in a lot of the evenings about some of the archaeology. So you don't just get to see it in person, but you get things tied together with the scripture verses and different um, what they pulled out of the ground, usually, you know, they brought that off to some museum that you don't get to see it right there at the site, but then the presentations will tie that together for people. But also we're going to have the, the cultural experience of Israel, right? Tasting the food, That's very getting different. to see modern day Jewish people and so forth, experiencing the, the old city of Jerusalem yeah, and a moving spiritual experience as well. Walking in the footsteps of Jesus, yeah. thinking about God's providence throughout history the way he took care of his people, um, inscripturated, yeah. you know, the, we got the Bible through um, the Israelites. And, and I, don't, I don't think that is overstated. Uh, yeah. when, you, when you walk on those blocks, I mean, Herod's building stones have a, a certain print on them that mm -hmm. you can recognize as Herod's, and they're there. Yeah. You can see them for yourself. Yeah, there was so much, uh, so much to see. But look, uh, we have a few spots left. Uh, so at the time we're recording this, so if you're interested and want to know more, it shows you the sites, the cost. And I, you know, we're a faith-funded ministry, so I challenge you, <laughs> go and compare the price of our tour to others yeah. out there, but you're going with a ministry that specializes in biblical history, a ministry that's been doing this for over 40 years. So just go to creation.com Israel. The link should now be uh, on your screen. Follow some of the tabs there for more information and also to register your interest. Keaton's been a lot of fun. I love talking about yeah. history and archaeology when it's combined. Yeah. We read so much in scripture, we study so much, we research, but being able to go to the places um, is an absolute blast. Yeah. So we're looking forward to it and uh, we hope you will join us. As usual, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, click like, share it with your friends, make sure you subscribe to be notified of future episodes yeah we have a lot of other videos on excellent topics so people should check those out and um, yeah just follow our ministry at creation.com mm -hmm.